you are all doing well wherever you are tuning in to this episode from. Welcome back to the five-minute primary care psychiatry consult. In today's episode, we will be hearing about ECT in primary care from one of our TNT mentors, Dr. Michael Lang. Dr. Lang is duly board certified in psychiatry and internal medicine, licensed to practice in the state of North Carolina. He is also the director of the ECT and TMS programs at East Carolina University. The following statements are not medical advice and the opinions expressed are his own. When looking at patients that we're going to consider for electroconvulsive therapy, I think the most important thing primary providers can do is provide information and assessment. Uh, the medical evaluation is honestly as important as the psychiatric evaluation in considering electroconvulsive therapy. This is primarily because it requires general anesthesia and a management of the comorbidities as ECT can have potentially significant side effects, although as a general rule, it is widely well tolerated. The first thing that we look at when we are starting electroconvulsive therapy is do we have an actual indication? The common indications that in psychiatry we're looking for are any mood or psychotic disorder that is considered refractory to therapy. Medicare defines that as a failure of at least three appropriate medicines at adequate dose and adequate trial. However, in reality, we usually find that folks have failed anywhere from 10 to 15 medicines when they come to us. Other possible indications for ECT would include catatonia, either medical or psychiatric, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, status epilepticus, when conventional measures have failed, Parkinson's disease that is not responding appropriately to carbidopa, levodopa, um, or potentially uh, acute chronic pain syndromes or post-toxic states. When we're working up a patient that has, uh, we're considering for ECT, after we have solidified their diagnosis and their indication, now we're looking at their concurrent medical comorbidity. And that is where I think primary providers can provide the most useful information. I need to know all of their medical problems, such as GERD, hypertension, diabetes, COPD, obstructive sleep apnea, degenerative disc disease of the spine, as well as what is being done to manage it and how stable it is. If someone has an active compression fracture at T10, for example, I need to know that so that I can adjust their paralytics accordingly when I'm doing the procedure. Um, I also need a very solid list of their active medications uh, so that I can know what they're taking and what they can do without. Uh, medicines that I tend to focus on would be anticonvulsants like Depakote or uh, Lamotrigine or benzodiazepines like Alprazolam or Lorazepam because they can raise the seizure threshold and offset the procedure. I also need to know about drugs like lithium or any sedative hypnotics like Ambien because they can help facilitate delirium post-ECT. So an adequate assessment of medicines and an adequate assessment of their comorbid medical problems. There are a lot of relative contraindications to ECT, such as a recent myocardial infarction or a recent stroke, especially within the last four weeks, space-occupying lesions, recent intracranial hemorrhaging, active bleeding of any source, any aneurysms or vascular malformations, the presence of pheochromocytoma, retinal detachments, unstable dentition, or severe liver disease. Uh, and a good assessment of where any of these medical problems are, such as, for example, if they had an MI, did they get stenting and are on the adequate antiplatelet therapy? Making sure that I know from a cardiac perspective they are stable. When you do ECT, 
during the vagal part of the seizure, you can drive the heart rate down to zero. And then shortly thereafter, during the clonic phase of the seizure, you can jump the heart rate into the 140s due to adrenergic surge, which makes ECT a rather significant cardiac stress test. So knowing where they are from a cardiac perspective is always very important. ECT, believe it or not, is safe in cardiac disease, as well as pulmonary disease, or even in pregnancy. It's just making sure that we have an assessment of where they are when doing the procedure so that we can provide pre-medications as need be uh, to prevent side effects or any adverse complications. So when I am talking to primary care physicians, the primary things that I'm looking for, again, an assessment of where they are from a medical perspective, what treatments are actively being provided, as well as any active medications that they're on. When we're doing the workup, especially for the anesthesia, we often order EKGs, two view chest X-rays, basic metabolic panels, and CBCs, as well as, depending upon the information the primary provider gives us, pregnancy tests, spinal films, EEGs, head CTs, or stress tests. And it would be great if the primary provider could coordinate with us to make sure that that data is on hand. And when we have that data and can assess accordingly, overwhelmingly, regardless of age and comorbidity, people tend to do extremely well with ECT. If you like what you heard today and you're a primary care provider who's interested in learning more about mental health in the primary care setting, check out the UC Irvine, UC Davis, Train New Trainers Primary Care Psychiatry Fellowship at www.psychiatry.uci.edu slash TNT or search for TNT PCP UCI on the web. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at TNTPCP.